0: And I am Buzz Eisenberg. And uh, welcome to Talk to Talk. And I'm Bill Newman. And uh, Brian Adams is with us. Brian, you always bring us, uh, well, you always make us aware of all these treasures that are right under our, no- our noses in this region. And today is no exception.
1: Today is no exception. I'm here on Wednesdays now, listeners.
0: No, doubt. From
1: Thursdays to Wednesdays. The migrating
0: Brian Adams. That's right.
1: Soon it might be Tuesdays. <laughs> and we should, <clears throat> should know, excuse me, Brian Adams is a longtime professor of environmental science at Greenfield Community College, now professor emeritus, and we love this segment. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Bill. One of my favorite things to do in the world is to go to museums. Mm. I mean, there is nothing like museums. And we are so fortunate in the Valley to have two Really outstanding science museums available to us that within uh, 20 25 minutes. One is at Amherst College, the Bineski, is that what it's called, Museum of Natural Binesky. History? Bineski. Yeah, Bineski. One of thank, my favorites, too. Thank you. That's our guest, Jenny Powers. Um, and the other is down in Springfield, and it's the Springfield Museum of Science. And I'm delighted to have back on the show Jenny Powers. She is the Director of Science at the Springfield Museums. Jenny, thank you so much for joining us.
2: It's my pleasure.
1: So it's raining out. It's yucky weather out. It's a long weekend coming. It's what do I do with the kids on this long weekend? Here's what you do. You go down to Springfield to the Springfield Museum of Science. Jenny, tell us something cool and exciting and maybe new that's happening at the museum.
2: Well, we have updated our planetarium, and we have kept our beautiful homegrown historic Corcus Starball, but we have added a Zeiss full dome projection system. That means that we can show almost anything on our dome now, and the two even work together really well. So we're showing all kinds of different astronomy movies, short films that you can come in and watch. We've been doing some pretty exciting programming, music programs in the evening. Um, and it has just been a tremendous success. We're really proud of it.
1: You know, I do have to to say, at the the um, fiftieth anniversary of the Dark Side of the Moon, um, I went to Springfield to the planetarium and lay back in those chairs and watched space while listening to Dark Side of the Moon. With alcohol being served <laughs> in the lobby, it was... Brian was it, in seventh It was really quite... It was really for Brian, quite every
0: hour is happy hour. <laughs> exactly.
2: Well, and that was before we added the Zeiss. So that was our old school presentation. We used the Corcus Starball on a slow spin so you could see the stars for kind of a little bit of psychedelic effect. And then we did an astrophotography slideshow. Now... We, As-
1: astrophotography ast- slideshow. Yes. Wow.
2: Um, And so now what we can do is we can add all kinds of effects onto that screen. We can do music, um, music videos, we can do clips, we can we even have this new system where we can make almost like a kaleidoscope on our dome. And when we play music with it, the kaleidoscope responds to the beat and to the kind of music we're playing. So we are going to debut that at a pretty special event. It hasn't launched on our website yet. It's going to launch tomorrow. But we're having a big Valentine's Day Love Under the Stars Mm. event on Valentine's Day itself.
1: Oh, that's very cool! At night in the in the planetarium. Yes,
2: we'll have observing in our twenty inch reflecting telescope. We'll have some chemistry just to see if you and your date have chemistry. Um, maybe some art activities. We like to represent all five of our museums, not just science, but um, as a big astronomy lover, I thought love under the stars is just the perfect way to spend a romantic evening. Oh,
1: what could be better? Now, you have a big telescope, so you go out onto the roof, actually, of the museum, and you can look at the the planetarium for the, I want to say fake stars, but the presentation of stars, and then real stars on top. Assuming the weather cooperates.
2: Yes, and we use that telescope every month. There is a way for the public to access it. It's a 20 inch reflecting telescope, a Schmidt Cassegrain design, and it was made by members of our Stars Club. There's a long term Stars Club in Springfield. It's been around since at least the 30s and in
1: 1930s. Wow, so almost 100 years.
2: Yes, actually, they probably are going to celebrate their anniversary pretty soon, but I'm actually vice president of the Stars Club, but um, we are, we have this program called Stars over Springfield and this program has existed for, must be close to 40 years, but we revamped it a little bit this year and we've been selling out every month to have a chance to go to a planetarium show and go up to see the rooftop telescope. It is a really thrilling experience. We get so many people who have never looked in a telescope at all before. and then all of a sudden you're getting this fantastic close-up view with this 20 inch telescope. Um, we're really excited about it.
1: Very cool. And you know, the planetarians, it's really it's just a cool event to do and you think, oh, it's boring, you know you sit there and look at you know look up, but it is amazing. And it's just getting more and more amazing as the technology increases.
2: Exactly. I mean, I personally, I never find looking up at the night sky boring. I love doing that. And having a way to do it, even when the weather is bad, um, is really exciting.
1: Uh, Now, you're not just into space, but you're into dinosaurs as well. That's right. Tell us about the dinosaurs at the museum.
2: Well, we are undertaking a huge renovation of our Dinosaur Hall. And in fact, we're going to spread dinosaurs past Dinosaur Hall too – we're going to add an exterior dinosaur to the building. Sometimes people come into our welcome center and they ask me, where is the science museum? And that makes me want to cry. So I want you to know that you're at the science museum the minute you pull into that parking lot.
1: And what better way to do that than have an exterior dinosaur? An exterior
2: dinosaur. And I think this is going to become a major attraction for the museum because dinosaurs are just a perennial favorite. People love them. So we're going to... In our Tolman auditorium, we're going to add a link about evolution between dinosaurs and modern life, mostly focusing on archosaurs and how birds evolved from dinosaurs. We'll also talk about crocodiles and pteranodons. And then we're going to add a second level to our dinosaur hall with a catwalk so that you can see the dinosaurs from above and we'll be able to make connections to astronomy hall and to other halls through things like the asteroid and climate change.
0: So science director Jenny Powers, I want to ask you, uh, whether it's the stars or dinosaurs or evolution, these days science is, uh, I don't know whether to say discredited by so many, by way too many people. Mm -hmm. How much of your mission these days has changed by the fact that you have to make other people understand that there's a difference between fact and belief, that science is real, that science is valuable. Is that part of your mission as a science director at a museum?
2: Absolutely. And I think that the way that I look at it is teaching critical thinking and not trying to say, no, you're wrong. This is what the reality is. But when we teach those critical thinking skills, we help people make their own decisions that are more accurate. Look for the evidence. This is something our curators always say to me, look for the evidence of this. And so teaching people to go through that process of examination and the idea of trusted sources versus um, anyone – we are adding throughout the museum boards that where we can put the latest headlines from reputable sources. For instance, a question I get asked all the time is, did the Webb telescope get knocked out of commission? And no, yes, it did hit some debris in space. But no, that absolutely did not knock it out of commission. So making sure that people get the most up-to-date, the most accurate, and dispelling the myth that science never changes. People will say, well, how can this change? It isn't real. This is proof. Science changes all the time. We are very new in our science journey as humans, and we have so much left to learn. Everything, 100 years from now, everything could look completely different. In fact, we know it will. And so being- Hopefully there
0: will be humans to uh, see it. Yeah,
2: we hope so, certainly. I hope I have grandkids or something, but uh, or maybe great grandkids by then, but the- we need to make sure that what we're presenting is as accurate as possible. So when we do an exhibit, we check it, we double check it, we check it again. We want to give people the most up-to-date and the most accurate. One of the things that is really important to me uh, from a science director perspective, is being able to be more nimble than we've been in the past. If there's a big change, we need to let people know right away. We can't keep something in our museum for fifty years that's not accurate anymore and not give an explanation. That's really important
1: it's It's really exciting to think of science as as changing as as not static. and museums is changing and not. And not and not static. Uh, I want to get back to what Buzz said about this politic politicization political. Bl- yeah, bl- uh, you're close <laughs> enough. Close enough <laughs> of science. Um, you know, particularly you look at Trump and you look at some of the the right wings, which is really negating the some of the facts that are out there. And I want to get back to one of those sort of ex- existential uh, threat. Uh, which is climate change. Mm -hmm. Um, Are you dealing with climate change in the museum? And if so, how? And if not, why not?
2: (laughs) We are absolutely dealing with climate change. And a couple of directors before me didn't want to tackle that because there's so much misinformation. um, Not... Every bit of science is clear, there's so many changes, and people look at climate change as such a negative, and we don't want them to come in and feel that they're having a miserable museum experience. However, climate change is here, and we have a responsibility to present that now. Springfield is a city that is at great risk. We already have a problem with heat islands in Springfield, and people are, um, especially older people, are so much at risk of heat stroke or other illnesses related to that. So we have two major ways that we are infusing climate change right now. First of all, we're looking at the entire museum from a systems science perspective. We all have a place within the system. So we hope that you'll find yourself within the greater system, the museum, our world, our universe. But we are very lucky we've received a federal earmark to do some major changes in our live animal center we are going local, but we're also going biomes around the world. This is the perfect time to introduce climate change and how these different species may be affected by climate change. How will our world change around us? In my opinion, for the city of Springfield, we also need to talk a lot about resiliency. How can you survive this? An individual cannot stop climate change, but they can adapt and learn quickly enough to survive it, we hope.
1: Uh, Can we talk about the live animal stuff? Yes. Um, So that's down in the basement, down in the bowels of the museum. There are lives, and not just dead dinosaurs, but uh, (laughs) outside dead dinosaurs, (laughs) but live animals. Tell us more about that.
2: Well, we have a fantastic aquariums curator who has been working in this um, place for a long time. And he, right now, is supporting tons of different fish life uh, several different reptiles. Our reptiles are program animals. They can come out and visit with our, with the public. It's really fun. Um, and we do a lot, and some amphibians too. And so we have some giant fish pacu, like they have at Forbes Library too. And we have some smaller fish. We have a Connecticut shoreline tank. We have a flooded forest tank. But this is all getting changed and updated. So one thing that I am really excited about is at the entrance of the basement, we're going to be adding a three-part cascading tank of fish that all live in the Connecticut River. So these are fish that theoretically you could go out and see, and those are going to be the ambassadors for our local climate change issues, is these fish that live right near us. We depend on these fish in a lot of different ways, including for food, but how are they going to be affected? Um, We're also going, we think we might add a little bit of a showstopper if we can, which is sharks. 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 Little itty bitty sharks. Sharks are the number one requested animal at Springfield Museums, and we want to give the people what they want.
1: Uh, As in terms of live animals, sharks are Mm -hmm. the number one. Dinosaurs being the number one, I would think. And
2: well, we can't bring them live dinosaurs. So not, not we can't. yet. Not
1: yet. Things <laughs> oh are changing.
0: Hundred years. Okay. From did, now. did
2: you see Jurassic Park? Though that's that's <laughs> always a bad idea.
0: That's, that's right. <laughs>
2: so before
0: before we take a break, I want to ask you, Jenny Powers, uh, how do people get tickets? Uh, we'll, we'll revisit it after the break. But how do people get tickets? And if they get tickets, does that guarantee entry to all the? By museums of the Springfield Museums?
2: Yes. So people, if they want to pre-order tickets, which I do recommend for busy days especially, they can go to springfieldmuseums.org. And then you can also buy tickets right when you show up. Um, I recommend checking out our Ways to Save page at Springfield Museums. We do have one admission for all five museums, and all five museums are as active and as vibrant as the science museum. So I hope people will check the other ones out. So too. it's the.
1: Let me see if I got this. It's the history museum. Yep. It is the two art museums. That's right. It is the Seuss Experience. Doctor Seuss yes. magnified a million times, and of course, most importantly, because this is science and sustainability, it's the science museum. We're talking with Jenny Powers.
0: Well, did, uh, one more question. Is oh. a planetarium in cute included in the ticket?
2: The planetarium is not included in the ticket. There is a small fee for the planetarium. I was really pleased this year we were able to update the prices. So it now costs $5, but kids seven and under are free. An and if you're a
1: member, this, the planetarium is free. Exactly, as yes. Well. It's also free. We're talking with Jenny Powers. She is the director of science at the Springfield Museum. It's a wonderful, wonderful museum, and it's not far From us in the Upper Valley here. It's just a little trek down 91 and boom, one exit and you're you're pretty
0: much there. And it's really worth going to. We're going to be right back and continue our conversation with Brian Adams and with Jenny Powers from the Springfield Museums. We'll be right back. Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. And we are back with Brian Adams, a very special guest, talking about a very special place.
1: We have Jenny Powers with us. She is the director of science at the Springfield Science Museum. She's the former family engagement coordinator and is the first woman to hold this position as director in, well, in 70 years, oh, the yes. first one, yeah. yes. but the, the second one ever. Um, Jenny, what led you, how, how did you get into this? What led you to pursue a career in museums and science and science education?
2: Well, I've always loved science. Um, growing up, my dad would take me to the Thames River Science Center it down in Connecticut, and my parents both took me to museums, especially the Wadsworth Athenaeum, which is an art museum, And I was just really allowed to explore and go outside. And um, my parents gave me gifts like a microscope from a young age, which was one of my absolute favorite things to play with. As I got older, I kind of drifted away from that. But um, at one point, I became a substitute teacher. I was teaching mostly science. I started homeschooling my son. And I'm a Girl Scout leader. And so as a Girl Scout leader, there's tons and tons and tons of science badges. And I was getting tired of some sub- of subbing. That's kind of a thankless job. And I saw an ad, and they were looking for a museum educator who – worked with homeschoolers, knew how to manage a classroom and could work with Girl Scouts. And I thought during that interview- Oh, that's you. If I don't get this job, I'm not getting any job. (laughs) So I started at the museum and the longer I stayed there, the more, and continuing, I, I just love it there. And museums are a really unique place because you're not forced to be there. Unlike school, where it's compulsory, you must go to school, if you want to learn at the Science Museum, you're probably doing that just for fun and to spend time with people you care about. So that's a really unique opportunity, and that was really appealing to me. In 2015, I got the New England Museum Association Fellowship, which was a scholarship um, to do some really fun things, but also it kind of cemented it in, in me like, yes, this is my place. This is what I want to do. And I just have been able to rise up. I've had, This is my fourth job at Springfield Museums. This is, um, you know, being family engagement coordinator. It was so fun. It was like being at an educational party all the time. But this is so rewarding and so thrilling. And getting to know the kind of impact that we can have on our visitors on such a large scale, it's huge responsibility. It's a public trust and I want that. I want to be part of that. I want to know as a Girl Scout that I'm making the world a better place and I want to give the city of Springfield what it really needs. And I can't do that by myself and I can't even do that by myself at the museum. I have an awesome team that works with me of curators and preparators and project managers but That's why I want to do this.
1: I can just feel your enthusiasm and your love of your job. You're like, yes, look at me. I'm the director of the Museum of Science. What could be a better gig? I think Um, my dad is proud. Oh, (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure he is. And I'm an Uh, educator. Yeah, yeah. Uh, If if there's one place you could take people, if they said, oh, you know, I don't long. I've got 20 minutes. Take me to your favorite place. Uh, do you have a favorite spot at the museum?
2: Oh, Brian, I think you know what I'm going to say. I want them in the planetarium, and if I can only show them, one, I, the new Zeiss is incredible, and that the was new,
1: the new what? The
2: new Zeiss full dome projection system. Right, that's the
1: projection system.
2: If I only had a few minutes with someone, I would show them the antique star ball. I love that. That was such a fantastic example of American ingenuity and innovation. When the museum couldn't afford something, two brothers decided they could build it. And that's why all of us fought to not scrap that when the new Zeiss full dome projection system, which is absolutely state of the art and do almost anything, we want the old one as well. Because it just shows what people in Springfield are capable of.
1: And the old one is like 80 years old or something, right? (laughs) We
2: celebrated 90 last year. 90, wow. Oh, I think it might be 92 this October.
1: That's very, very exciting. Jenny, we're just about out of time, but I want to make sure people know where you are, how to get there. You're one of five museums at the Springfield Quadrangle, Mm -hmm. and it's really one exit off of 91, and boom, there you are, Mm -hmm. five Excellent museums. The Museum of Science is a must-see attraction. Uh, when are you open? Uh, what? Springfield residents are free. Other yes. folks have to pay, but there are memberships available. Yes. Can you tell us a little more about that?
2: So one thing I want to mention is that we also have memberships that are, um, you get reciprocal admission. And so if you're a member of the Ecotarium or a museum, the Boston Museum of Science, you can come into our museum for free with that reciprocal membership. Or if you're a member with us, you can go to those places as well. So we're open Tuesday through Sunday. We are normally closed on Mondays, but we are open this Monday for MLK Day if you need something fun to do. Most days we're open 10 to 5. On Sundays we open an hour later, so we're open 11 to 5.
1: The other thing I want to say is, I don't know if it's true in other libraries, but I know at Forbes Library, my library in Northampton, you can go and get a free admission little slip and check that out.
2: So I don't think it's a free admission anymore. I think uh, it's half off, but half off is a huge savings. Yeah. And so we definitely encourage people to do that.
1: We've been talking with Jenny Powers. She is a director of science at the Springfield Museums, a must See place to go. Springfield's got a, some really cool things. You've got the Basketball Hall of Fame, you've got Forest Park, and you've got the quadrangle with The armory. Too.
0: The armory is really interesting. In the um, if I in know, the, but to, to have a planetarium in our backyard, yes. how cool is that? A star is born, <laughs> Jenny Powers. Thank you so much, Brian Adams.
1: Thank you for having us, and Jenny, thank you so much for your good work down in Springfield.
0: Tomorrow is a dreadful uh, commemoration. It's the 22nd year that that uh, prison camp in Guantanamo Bay has been opened. We're going to have folks from No More Guantanamos talking about this, well, anniversary of sorts, right after this. I know
2: it's not true.
0: This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg.